This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Sure, friends. So this morning we have a, a bit of an opening in our, in our uh, preaching roster. Um, Ainsley's actually in Potchefstroom at the moment with, uh, with Charlotte and Be- uh, Marlon. Um, they're ministering in Potchefstroom uh, today, so she took them through, so she sends her love and, and regards. Uh, but this morning, as, as I was praying for this weekend, I just felt and I asked the Lord, Lord, what, what do you want to say to us as a community of, of, of believers? What is it that's on your heart? Perhaps that uh, you want us to remind, be reminded of, uh, it, it's sometimes I think we can be so like in, in, the, in the motions of things. We just do these things and kind of go through the next thing, what's the next thing, what's the next thing? Uh, but actually, I really felt as I was praying that God was wanting to speak to us specifically around the area of unity. Now, when I say unity, I don't want you to hear that I'm saying, okay, there's this unity in the church, and people are struggling, and so now I've got to react, reactively speak into this because we've got to address a few issues. No, actually, I believe that God is taking us into more of what He has for us because of the unity that we're already experiencing, and that God is already doing with us as a church and a community, but it's important for us to continue to contend for the community that we have, the unity that we have. We see this in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Paul writes, he says the following. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to, talk, to walk in, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And so Paul continuously, it reminds the the early church, and for us as believers, every single time you read the Bible, I think there should be moments that encourage us to say, how can we become more unified with one another and with the Lord? And one thing I've realized, though, when it comes to unity, it's not something that you necessarily build. I mean, there are some things that you can do that build unity. Uh, It's a powerful reality. It's something that that when it's operating well, you can really see it. And one great example of that would be, um, have you ever heard of of, of Belgian plow horses? They're these huge muscular animals um, that they use. And and, and at these sort of country fairs, they would get together. And and they would always be a little bit of a, a show of strength with these different animals, and what they would do is they would take one of these horses and, and then attach it to a plow or something that would be able to measure how much it's able to, to pull. And what's interesting to see is that one of those horses by itself can pull up to 3,600 kilomet- uh, kilograms, not kilometers, kilograms, 3,600 kilo- kilograms. That's like, that's a lot for one animal to be able to do. But what they, what they would find is if they took two of these horses that didn't know each other, you know, they were two from two different parts of the country, and they'd now come together for this, this kind of country fair, and they, they get, they get uh, hitched together, and they get to pull together. You know how much the two of them can pull together? 10,000 kilo, kilograms. So from 3,600 to 10,000. But there's something amazing that happens when you find a, what they call a matched pair. 
a match pair is actually sometimes a, a brother or a sister. They, these two horses were usually bred together. They grew up together. They were trained together. And they are of similar size, of similar athletic uh, ability. And when those two horses are hitched together, you know how much they are able to pull together? 14,500 kilograms. That's the beauty of, of unity. When we're not just wanting to pull together and say, well, kind of, I'm kind of on the same page. I'm, I'm trying to accomplish something. And at some point, I'll see how much I can tuck in together. I don't really know you that much. But in the church, if you and I are willing to say, Lord, come and build us to unite us together of one heart, one mind, let's see what God can accomplish through us as a community. And that's what I wanted to speak to us today. I believe God wants to take us into a season, and especially in this time with, with the equip coming, um, the whole purpose of of, of our equips, of the input we have, and the reasons why we come together is really so that we could be unified un under Jesus. We can become more like Jesus. And I believe that God wants to, us to excel or accelerate our ability to accomplish His plans, His purposes, to see His kingdom advancing. But it's going to require of you and I to intentionally tuck in. Now, like I said, it's not always as easy to, to sort of say, okay, Let's build unity together. I, I've often found that it's easier to break down unity than it is to sometimes build it. And so I'm going to be speaking today about the four enemies of unity. Because if you and I understand what those four enemies are and we intentionally fight against those things and guard against them, then inevitably as a result of our contending to not walk in these things, I believe God will, God will result in greater unity amongst us. And so, I really, I, I don't know where you are at in your, in your walk with God and how you are seeing and, and perhaps even this concept of unity. I've often heard people say in the, in the you know, in the, when I speak to, to people that are often a little bit disconnected from the church, sometimes they might even be a part of some parachurch organization or, or they, they, they are, they're not really connected. And then when I speak to them, they'll say to me, yes, all I would love to, to see is some unity in the church. Could there just be unity in the church? Could the churches just be unified? And actually what I realize is they themselves are struggling to be unified and therefore they perceive that there isn't unity in the church. But actually, there is a whole lot of unity. But you and I as the followers of Jesus, we've got to continue to contend for the unity of the faith and the bond of peace in the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, we've got to then be able to recognize these four enemies of unity, guard against them, and become actually very tenacious to the point of, of saying, I, we will not tolerate any of these things. We would not allow any of them to come close to us as a people. The first enemy is failure to communicate. Now, in your, in your marriage, I've found, when I'm, when I'm not as unified with my wife, um, she has been done, doing a lot of speaking. Communication always happens. Wives communicate well in general. Husbands struggle to listen. And what I've found is that our, we struggle in our unity when we are struggling to connect and communicate with one another. But communication is happening all the time. And in the body of Christ, I've had people say to me, you know, I just don't know what's going on around here. I feel so disconnected. And then I'm, I'm like, but have you actually been listening? Have you been around? Have you been at the prayer meetings? 
Have you been coming on a Sunday? Do you attend the leadership moments? Do you watch the announcements when there are announcements that come around? Do you, do you take the time to, to, to pay attention? Or, uh, or, or are you so involved and consumed with your own agenda? We've all had those conversations with people, you know? As they are trying to communicate with us something about their heart or important information, the only thing that's going through your mind is what's your next response going to be? You don't actually listen to what they're saying. And that's one of the reasons why we experience disunity in the body of Christ. Because we don't take the time to really listen to one another. James chapter 1 verse 19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to what? To listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. Quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. I love what... Uh, David writes in, in um, Psalm 19, verse 14, he says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David is praying this prayer constantly. He's saying he realizes that the words he speaks and where his heart is inclined to affects not only his relationship with others, but especially his relationship with God. And I believe that for us to grow in our unity with God and with one another, we need to continuously say, Lord, how can I yield myself under your purpose? How can I become aware of what you're saying and what you're doing? So that as I do that, as I express that, as I see God move on my behalf and in, my, in our midst, we begin to see his will and plan unfold. And so how I believe God is always speaking, but we're just not always listening. And I believe as a church, we will become a lot more unified if we take moments to really listen, listen to one another, to listen to what God is saying to us corporately as a people, and not just always looking at, oh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, but when's, when's my opportunity to speak? When's someone going to give me an opportunity to come to the front? When is my, my mo- moment going to happen? Uh, I believe that's counterproductive and actually counterintuitive for us as well. And so I want to ask you to yield yourself more uh, under God's hand, to be like David, to say, Lord, I want my, the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be pleasing before you. The second enemy of unity is a lack of shared purpose. Now, this really speaks about Unity comes because we have a sense of a shared vision, a picture of of a preferred future that we're all working together. Like those two plow horses being tucked together, they have a purpose together, and the the closer and the better they can work together to cooperate, to actually pull the load, the greater the impact, the greater the strength that they have together. But when they are a mismatched pair, it's harder for them. One is kind of pulling this way and the other one's doing that. Together they do accomplish something. But God wants you and I to be united in what we are trying to accomplish together. God has given us as a church a common goal, a common mission, a common vision. And all of those things flow from a common dream. And I have found that when I'm disunited with others, when I'm struggling to be united with what's happening 
in the life of the church, what God is doing on the planet, is when I've got my agenda. When I'm looking for the things that I feel like, this is my, my pet subject and, I, and we, we should push for this. And why aren't we ever speaking about that? But actually realizing God's giving, given us a bigger picture together. Um, Psalm, uh, Proverbs chapter 20, 29 verse 18 says, this is from the message, he says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, they are most blessed. And so friends, for us, in our prayer time, in your life group together, in your family, can we trust God that He would begin to show us what it is that He is doing and where it is that He is taking us? And can we be intentional to say, how can I tuck? Because all of us have been given very unique gifts, very unique abilities. There's passions, there's, there's um, emphasis. All of those things are really, really helpful and very important. Because we're all the body of Christ. God wants us to decentralize the church. It's not a couple of chosen few that can do things and get things done. It's actually all of us. But it's our ability to say, Lord, how can I take what I'm passionate about, my gifts, my time, my treasures, my talents, and how can I bring what that is into alignment with what God is wanting to accomplish with us as a people. It's so beautiful what Malcolm was sharing and some of the words that were coming through this morning. They didn't know I was speaking on, on unity. And God's saying, I've got, I've got a slipstream I want you to tuck into. I want you to join me on this mission. And don't always be looking for opportunities to say, yeah, but you know, you know, like Trevor Noah speaks about us South Africans, you know. The world's going there, and we're like, no, we'll meet you there. We'll get you there. And it doesn't always help us. I think it never helps us when we are always wanting to be, you know, a little bit counter. I remember sitting in, in some, um, some leaders' meetings earlier days. Of the, I think I've told this many times, but um, just some, some leaders' meetings in the early days of City on Hill. And we would discuss some things, and we feel like God's moving us forward. And then we, there would be someone in the room that would always bring the counter perspective. And, and, and at one point, I remember my dad was in the, in the, the meeting. He's like, man, why, why do you always bring this, this other side, you know? And the gentleman said, well, actually, I'm just trying to be the devil's advocate, you know? And my dad's like, can we maybe leave the devil out of this? I mean, we're trying to, it's God's work to be busy with you, man. And sometimes we can be like that just for the sake of bringing our opinion or what we feel. And, I, and, I, and, and this can happen in our prayers. This can happen in our homes. This can happen in our attitudes towards one another. And God has given us as a church a beautiful vision, a beautiful picture of what, where he's taking us. He wants us to, to see this city transformed and the nations discipled, which means together he wants to accomplish some great things through discipleship. It's, it's through Christ. It's about bringing people to Jesus. It's not about building a, a, a legacy, a nice facility, a good reputation. Those things are a result of us being on mission together, saying, Lord, can your kingdom advance through us as a people? And can you use us ordinary Ordinary people who are willing to tuck in together to say, Lord, we want to we wanna accomplish what you are doing. We want to be a people that gather together for your glory. Gather on a Sunday. Gather in our home groups. Get, gather together when we are on outreaches together. Gathering to see God move in our midst, in our prayer times, in our worship times. Can we be a, a people that grow together? We're, we're submitting ourselves 
to God's word first and foremost. I remember years ago, someone confronted me about a particular issue in their lives, and they said to me, listen, you can't expect me to give up this in my life. It's, I've been, I've been, this has been a part of my life for so many years. It's so important to me. You can't expect that of me. And, and I said to them, listen, I, I've got news for you. I would never expect that of you. I never expected you to give up anything. But if you yield yourself to Jesus and he's the Lord of your life, then at some point he's going to ask you to give that up. And it's going to be my job to lead you and to continue to encourage you to yield yourself under the authority of Christ's word and his character and his nature so that he could be formed in you and through you. Friends, this is something that, that <coughs> as God works with us, I believe God wants us to, to, in increasing measure, buy in and yield ourselves and tuck ourselves into what He's wanting to accomplish with us. Because if we struggle to do that, if we're always going to lag behind, if we're always going to look for the, the opposite opportunity or the, you know, the other angle, or, you know, but did you see what those other guys are doing? Have you checked there in America? Have you seen this video? Have you seen this prophetic word? This is, these are the things God's saying. And I'm like, but God's speaking to us as well. And God is leading us. And if God has planted you here, then let's, let's tuck in together. Let's see God move in our, on our behalf. The third enemy of unity is a huge one. It's probably the one that all of us struggle with. It's gossip. You can see on the screen there. Friends, this is a poisonous, terrible, terrible thing. And in my experience, it is the hardest, one of the hardest things to, to shake off in my life. Because sometimes, I remember years ago, um, feeling like we, we really need to tackle this, this gossip thing in our church. And I remember there were two gentlemen who, who had a tendency to really gossip lacquer, enjoyed it. And uh, it's, it's, I'm not speaking on the ladies, hey? But the guys, they can also do it. And I remember these two gentlemen were, were having it at, you know, speaking about these things. And, and I remember Ainsley, you know, just uh, confronting them, saying, listen, I don't, what, what's happened? This isn't helpful. And the gentleman turned to her, but he's like, I'm not gossiping, I'm just venting. <laughs> and sometimes in our, in our desire to just be like, and I do this, I can do this with my wife and my kids. I can do it with a friend. I've just got frustration. I was down at this, you know, government department, and I just feel like I want to just vent about how negative my experience was. But actually, I'm gossiping. I'm speaking badly about someone else. I... I like this def definition that Ray Dave Ramsey has for gossip. He says, discussing something negative with someone who can't help you solve the problem. It's so easy for us to bring those negative things forward. And obviously, today, you know, good news doesn't sell newspapers. doesn't give, get views on an on a Instagram feed. It's only the negative and it's so easy how this little practice that we so easily indulge in can corrupt us in, at, at such a level. Um, Psalm 133 verse 1 says, 
Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. God wants us to be united together, and gossip, friends, erodes our ability to be united. Because it's a way of, it's actually unfair when we gossip. It's unfair towards everyone involved. The gossiper, because they're continuing to toil in a, in a problem situation with no hope of resolution. So if you're bringing this thing up and you're just like, oh, I'm just, there's actually no, you're not solving the problem. You're just dwelling in it. For the person who listens, it undermines their passion for the tasks or the confidence in their leadership or the belief in the vision that they're a part of. It actually diminishes. Everybody loses when we engage in gossip. And, and it's something that the Bible is extremely clear about. There are so many passages of Scripture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a few of them with you now. Because I believe God wants us to, rid, to root out gossip from among us. John Maxwell says the following. He says, once our minds are tattooed with negative thinking, our chances for long-term success diminish. When you and I allow those negative thoughts and negative words to circulate and permeate our lives, it diminishes our ability to accomplish the things God wants us to accomplish together. Proverbs 21 verse 23 says, Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Anybody experienced that before? Oh my word, I've had moments when I'm just like, just can I just put a foot back in, and then what I do, I just change feet. <laughs> I make it worse. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 20 says, For I am afraid that when I come to you, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. None of those things, my friends, are good. None of it. And gossip is listed amongst it. Other parts of, of, of the scriptures, we see that gossip is listed amongst murder and idolatry and homosexuality and all of those evil things that we would say. But it's easy for us to shun those external sins and still engage in this thing that we feel, ah, oh, but it doesn't hurt anybody. I'm just speaking my mind. I just need to get something off my chest. Friends, let's not be a people that do that. James chapter 1 verse 26 is, those who consider themselves religious. Any of us believe that we follow Jesus, that we have a relationship with God, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. You and I cannot proclaim to be followers of Jesus that truly have a relationship with God if we cannot bridle our tongues. And it takes tenacity, it takes intentionality, and it takes great amount of love to do so. Jesus speaks about us speaking the truth in love. He came full of truth, full of grace and full of truth. And so we can express God's grace to one another by sometimes, and actually all the time, when someone comes to us and says, hey, did you hear? Did you check this thing? 
by stopping that in its tracks and saying to someone, listen, I don't, I don't want to engage in that. I don't want to discuss somebody that's not here. I don't want to talk about something that's dishonoring. I, I feel like it's dishonoring. No, but I'm just frustrated, and I, I just need some perspective. No, let's not engage in those things, friend. Let's put these things to death. Let's rid ourselves from these things. Proverbs 18 verse 8 says, The word of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into the inmost parts. It corrupts and defiles us from the inside out, friend. We cannot and should not engage in this anymore. Because I believe God wants us to be a unified church. He wants us to be a, a church that, that flourishes, that sees His kingdom come. Who, who wants to be used by God in that way? He wants to see God's power at, at work in us. It's miraculous what God does when we are unified together, but it requires of us to work it out together. The last enemy of, um, <coughs> sorry, of unity is unresolved disagreements. This is a big one, friends. Offense. And I, and I know I mentioned this before, but some of us in our, in our kind of current Christian walk, we say, well, we, we, I, I don't get offended. I, I don't take offense because the offense is taken and not given. And there's a, there's a ring of truth to that. There's a reality that, that when we are mature, we are not so easily affected by the actions and the words of other people. But if someone's actions and words are causing them to stumble or is causing a hindrance between myself and them or the body of Christ, then we should address it. Then we should speak the truth in love. We should be willing to have that conversation and actually be willing to receive that conversation, which, which is Jesus' encouragement in Matthew chapter 18. You know, he says the following. He says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Oh, no, I thought it was, go and post it on Facebook. Now you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. How many times have you exercised this? Or have you just sometimes said, oh, yes, I'm so frustrated. Wish I could just avoid them. Let's pick and pay. Ooh, next hour. We laugh because that's what we do. I bumped into someone the other day. They're like, they used to come to our church. And when I asked them, oh, which church are you in? They're like, no, this is still my church. I'm like, but I don't see you. You never come. It's like, no, but it's politics, you know. What's the politics? Like, what's the, no, 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 I have a disagreement with somebody. We did some business together and it didn't go so well. And now I'm going to bump into them, yeah. It's a bit awkward. I'm like, but then, here's the scripture. Here's your antidote. There's your answer. If someone has wronged you, go and speak to them yourself. And if you've attempted it, or if you feel like for some reason that person is not going to respond well and you're not going to be able to resolve it, then the Bible, Jesus actually gives this. This was written in red, by the way. Jesus is speaking. You know, Jesus said that we should, if we're disciples, we become, we obey everything that he's commanded. That's what we should do. He says, if he listens to you, you have gained a brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two others along with you. So now some of us hear this. Go, oh, now I'm going to take my mates that have also been offended, also been frustrated by this person. And now the three of us are going to gang up on them. 
Check all the evidence we have against you. Ba, 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 ba. We're going to sort you out. Eh? No, no, no. These should be mature leaders, preferably, that can come alongside and say, listen, we want to resolve this issue amongst one, one another. We want to be united together. We want to remove the sting of, of, of this frustration, of the offense that you're experiencing. So let's work it out. But it's helpful to have someone else's perspective. I've done this. My wife and I, we, we go see Bruce and Myra at least once a, once a term. And, and then it's like, it's not always a lack of conversation. Sometimes we're doing great and other times, you know, there's some things to be discussed, you know. And then it's so helpful for me to have Bruce who could say to me, listen, Garrett, just pull up your socks a bit yeah, man. You, what your behavior and your attitude and what you're doing isn't helping your relationship. But then at least there's also somebody that can say to Ainsley, hey, Ainsley, you also need to pull up your socks and you also, because my wife's perfect, you know. She's not here <laughs> right now. So. But there's, there's a moment because of the external perspective and because we're contending for the unity of the body. And because we're wanting to accomplish way more together than what we could do by ourselves, it's worthwhile contending and working that through. And so I want to ask you, if you are having moments, or even if someone comes to you and says to you, listen, I've just got this relational issue or challenge with somebody, can you just say, hey, let's go speak to them right now together. Let's go. Come, let's come. And if the person says, no, no, yes, no wait a minute, I'm not so ready, encourage them. Because God wants us to be healed. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be united together. Jesus continues to say that if, if you're still unable to resolve the matter, then you should bring it to the church. In our kind of context, it would be that you'd bring it to the elders. So one of the pastors, someone who can give you godly counsel so that the, the issue can be resolved. And often, I think, in these sorts of cases, by that, by, if it gets to this point, it's usually because... The person's heart's really hard, or there's some major, major issues that's gone down, and it's really difficult to resolve, and we need some wisdom together. But this is God's plan. But then he says, Jesus says, if we're not willing to take hold of these things, if we're not willing to express and resolve our issues in this way, he says that, that we should uh, let them be as a, a Gentile or a tax collector. In other words, an unbeliever. We shouldn't have anything to do with people that are not willing to work these things out. Now, some of you are going, wait, wait a minute, Gareth. I've got stuff I haven't been willing to deal with. Are you saying, I'm an unbeliever? I'm saying that. In, in the most humble, loving way, I could say this to you, my friends. If we're not willing to contend for unity at this level, then our faith in Jesus is worthless. We're fooling ourselves and one another. And I felt like as I was preparing for this, I really felt like God wanted to, to really, the, the word needs to pierce our hearts this morning. Because God has great things in store for us. And it's worth contending together for this. God wants us to become mature, lacking in nothing. Because it's a beautiful reality to see in, in this Matthew 18 passage that 
You know, all of us have heard this story about the, this thing about whatever you bind in the, on the earth is, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose in heaven, these are things God wants us to accomplish great things, but it comes off the back of us working through our offenses. Jesus also says at the end of this, in the last little verse, he says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am with them. Unity happens when we're willing to contend for our relationships. Great exploits in God happen when we are willing to contend for unity. And we put to death these enemies. We put to death our lack of communication. We put to death our desire to always run off in our own direction, but actually begin to tuck in together in a combined, unified vision. When we, we put away the poison of gossip amongst us, and we are willing to, in love, work through our offenses towards one another. God wants you and I to be united with Him. Friends, if, you had to ask, if I had to ask you, what is the purpose of your life and all of what we do here, even me sharing with us today, all of what we do, whether you are in an intercessory prayer moment, in a music team, serving, going to your life group, praying together with your family, whatever we give ourselves to, all of those things should result in us becoming more like Jesus. And so when we address these things in one another's lives, it's not about us being able to point out someone's faults, but it's actually being able to encourage one another to become more like Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13 says, and, and he gave, Jesus gave apostles, the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until who, what? All attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. To what? Mature manhood to the measure, and some translations say the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This coming weekend, we're going to have our equip together. And every single moment we have together, God wants to use those moments to shape us into the image and likeness of Christ. And if you are engaged in any re religious or any activity in terms of your relationship with God, worship, Bible reading, prayer, service, outreach, any of the things that we do, if, if those things do not result in us becoming more like Jesus, those things are worthless. We're wasting our time. And so you and I, I'm trusting that in the coming weeks and months, we will continue to look to Jesus and say, Lord, help me become more like you. Transform and trans transfer me from this life of darkness. I don't want to walk like I used to walk. I want to walk in your ways, Lord. I don't want to be disconnected from your body. I want to be unified with your body. And as you and I do that, I believe God is going to do amazing and awesome things in and through our lives. So I want to just pray for us. Lord Jesus, I, I just thank you, Lord, for, for your love for us, Lord. And I pray that for each, each and every one of us, every person that can hear my voice right now, even those watching, Lord, I pray that there would be a real sense of your love and your grace. I know, Lord, for some, you, you have shown them and brought to their memory instances and situations where they have allowed this unity to rule where they've allowed these enemies of unity to creep in. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd convict us right now 
And I, I want to ask you if, you, if you feel under God today that there's a moment of repentance that needs to happen, that where you've yielded yourself to one of these enemies, to perhaps take the boldness to stand. I'm not listing them. I'm not going to say which one it is. God knows that between you and him. But I felt this morning that God wants us to, to do business with him, to be ruthless with these things, that we would be united with him and with one another in increasing measure. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.